I want to begin today by just asking you to think about how many Jews lived in the Netherlands, lived in Holland at the start of World War II in 1940. It was 140,000. So 140,000 Jews living in Holland at that time and 14 people standing over here. So each of them represent um, 10,000 Jews who were alive in that country when the war started. When the war ended, do you know how many of those were still living in Holland? How many survived? All right, David, if you and your daughter and Michelle would remain standing, everyone else be seated. Three of the 14, 30,000 out of the 14,000. Does that put a face on how many people were killed by the Nazis in that one country alone? How many Jews lost their lives in those concentration camps and in other ways? Thank you. Would you thank my volunteers for helping me out today? And as we said last Sunday, about 800 of those Jews who survived the war in Holland survived because of the work of this family, the Tim Boom family. And what we're really doing is, is using stories from their life during the war, before the war, and after the war to kind of put a face on, put some flesh on Bible verses in which Jesus talks to us about what it looks like to follow him. So we started that last week, and we'll spend some time leading up to Christmas just looking, looking at uh, this subject. I want you to take your Bible and open with me, please, to the book of Matthew chapter 16. This is our theme verse, Matthew chapter 16. And we said last Sunday that, that a disciple is someone who follows their master, their teacher. And so in Jesus' time, you would have rabbis with students, and those students would learn from them. Jesus had his 12 disciples. We're all his disciples. And really what we do is we follow him. He takes the lead, and we go where he goes. We follow his example. We follow his plan, his will for our lives. And we listen to him and learn from him and then obey what he says. And last Sunday we talked about that a lot, that, that if you're going to follow Jesus, it's important that you read the Bible, you study the Bible, you hear the Word of God, and then you do what it says. And the more you obey the Word of God, the more you'll become like Christ and be a better follower of Jesus. Today, we're going to focus on the importance of serving Jesus because as the disciples followed Jesus, they saw what he did, and then he would give them opportunities to do hands-on ministry and make a difference in the lives of other people. And if we're going to follow Jesus, we also are to serve him. Now, our theme verse in Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25, Jesus says this, If anyone wishes to come after me, he has to do something. What is it? Deny himself. Take up his cross. Now, the cross is not simply suffering. It might be suffering, but it's not necessarily something bad that happens in your life. The cross is a way of talking about denying yourself. It's that place of self-crucifixion where you say, I die so that Christ might have preeminence in my heart and in my life. And so Jesus says, if you're going to follow him, come after him, we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, that place of self-crucifixion, and follow him. Because in verse 25, whoever wants to save his life, The person that wants to hold on to it and do what he or she chooses with it, in God's eye, is the person who is ultimately going to lose his life. But the person who loses his life takes his hands off, he climbs on that place of self-crucifixion and says, Jesus, you are master and you are Lord. The person who dies to self, so to speak, is the very person who in the eyes of God actually discovers what life is all about. And so he becomes our reason for being. As we deny self, die to self, 
and lose our life for the sake of Christ and his kingdom. And as we think about the Tim Boom family, I mentioned to you last Sunday that even though the movie and the book from the 1970s were about Corey because she was the only one that survived, the real hero of this family to me is the father, Casper Tim Boom. And uh, he's the one that raised his family in these two stories above the watch shop below. And last Sunday we talked about how they had that family tradition of every morning, every night, reading the Word of God and praying together and how God used that to, to shape who they were as followers of Christ. And you're also going to see today that his example in serving shaped the family's view of what it means to serve Christ. When, when the family was arrested by the Gestapo, when they were arrested, they spent their first night and day in the local uh, police station. And then the following day, they were transported uh, by bus to a federal prison the Gestapo had taken over. And while they were processing everyone, the Gestapo officer saw Casper. Now remember, he's 84 years old. So get this picture. Here's an 84-year-old man, white hair, big beard, and this Gestapo officer sees him, and he, he doesn't understand why they arrested him. He wants to let him go, and so he calls for Casper to come over. And he looks at him, and he says to him, I'd like to send you home, old fella, and I'll take your word that you won't cause any more trouble. Do you know what Casper said to him? He said, if I go home today, tomorrow I will open my door again to any man in need who knocks. Wow. I don't know about you. I don't know what I would have said. I don't know how I would have responded if I had lived in a time when people all around me were being killed by evil. I don't know what I would have done if I had been this friend. But here he is saying, tomorrow, if someone who has a need shows up, I'm going to open my door and I'm going to do what I can to love them in the name of Jesus Christ. And so the Gestapo officer scowled and shouted at him to get back in line. Nine days later, that 84-year-old man died in that prison. Now, doesn't it sound like he was the kind of man who understood what Jesus said, that if you're going to follow me, it's not only about you, but it's about Christ. Denying yourself, taking up your cross, sacrificing for the sake of Christ, for the cause of the kingdom. And look at what Jesus said about following him in Matthew chapter 25, verses 35 and following. Open your Bible there, please, Matthew chapter 25. Look at these words, something else Jesus said. He said, for I was hungry. And I want you to get this old man's picture in your mind and and ask the question, does it sound like he was the kind of man who understood what Jesus meant when he said this? For I was hungry. And you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. When they were arrested in their home, people were hiding in that secret room in their home and the Gestapo never found them. They survived that raid. I was a stranger. And you invited me in. Verse 36, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison. You came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And I love what Jesus says here in verse 40. The king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even to the least of them, you did it to whom? To me. So Jesus says one of the ways we serve him 
is by serving other people at a point of need in their life. And that is exactly what this family did. It's what this elderly man, Casper Tim Boom, did and set an example for his family. And if, if last Sunday we learned that they had a family heritage of reading the Word of God and studying the Word of God and praying together as a family and it shaped how they lived and their core values, today you're going to see that this was a man who spent his life not only loving Jesus and loving the Word but also serving Jesus in obedience to the word, and it shaped his family. And if you and I want to pass on to our children and to our grandchildren what it means to follow Christ, what it looks like to follow Christ, we have have to do a lot more than simply show up at church on Sunday. We we have to do a lot more than simply be religious and be Baptist, etc. We we have to really, genuinely, authentically follow Christ as one who denies ourselves and says, listen, my life As good as it is, as beautiful as it is, it's not just about me. My life is about him. It's about denying me so that he might be exalted and that I might live in his will, his plan, his purpose for my time on this planet. Does it sound like Casper was a man who understood what Jesus said here about feeding the hungry, giving water to the thirsty, taking in those who were strangers, caring for those who had needs? See, he got it. And you and I have opportunities to do that. I want to thank you again. I, 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 am, I praise God and I thank you so much. You know, the, the offering for the disaster relief that we as South Carolina Baptists are doing with the flood victims here in South Carolina last week. You know, uh, you've given over $14,000 for that. Thank you so much for that. Uh, it's going to make a difference. We had about 80 people for the mud out training the other week uh, over here in the apex. Practical ways of showing Jesus' love and helping people at a point of need in their life. But I, I want to talk to you about the importance of you being connected with some other believers so you can, you can meet their needs and they can be in a position to meet your needs. See, here's the thing. Many of you in this room go to Sunday school almost every week. You're in one of our small groups. You're involved in a ministry team. And in that setting, you're developing relationships. You're developing strong connections with other believers. But others of you are not developing those kind of relationships with other believers. You're not in a Sunday school class. You're not in a small group. You're not on a ministry team. You're not developing those deep, personal, strong relationships. And here's the thing. Sitting in this room every Sunday for worship, and I am so thankful you are here, but but hear me, brothers. Hear me. If all you do is sit in this room, you're not going to develop relationships with other Christians. I mean, we can, we can enjoy seeing one another and, and having brief conversations before and after the service, but you don't fellowship on that strong, deep level just sitting in this room. You, you've got to be in a smaller venue where you can talk to one another, get to know one another, and serve one another. And here's what happens, and we see it all the time. Moni, I, I watch Monisa's Sunday school class. And the way you all in that class minister to one another when there's a need. I I see it in Sunday school classes all over this this church. And by the way, thank you for all the notes and the cards and the emails and the calls and the prayers. Our daughter Jacqueline meets with the doctors at the military hospital in Germany uh, tomorrow for the consultation. And they'll put the plan together for dealing with her breast cancer at that point. So thank you for praying for her and all you're doing. But you see, that, that happens, not just because I'm pastor, but she's got people in that Sunday school class who are doing extra special things. And, and that's what happens in Sunday school where you have those relationships when there's a need in your life, there's a crisis in your life, there's, a, there, there's, there's a, a challenge in your life. Those people who know you because you are connected with them, they will be there for you. 
And there will be times when you can be there for one of them because you know them. But, but if all you do is come to church, come to worship, and you're not building those relationships, there's, there's a, a real possibility. I would even say there's a likelihood that if there's a point of crisis in your life, a deep need in your life, people may not know about it. And, and you're going to feel lonely and out here on a ledge by yourself and, and, and there's not necessarily a lot of people there to, to minister to you and to help you. Why? Because you've isolated yourself from the people of God and they don't know you. They don't know that needs in your life. And so you're, you're, you're robbing yourself of love and ministry that God's people want to do when you're hungry, when you're naked, when you're in prison, when you're hurting. But here's the other thing. You also... Rob yourself of the privilege of being there for them when they need it. Because when you're in that group, you know about it. You show up. You make a difference. But when you isolate yourself, you rob them. You rob yourself. And what I'm trying to say is if you want to put flesh on what it means to, 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 to feed the hungry and the thirsty, yes, the, the, the disaster relief offering, the mud out training, and, and, and all the other things we do, the, the partnerships that we have with the Dream Center, and all of those matter. But it also matters in a one-on-one relationship with other believers. And, and, and I've seen people have a, a crisis in their life and Nobody knew about it and there wasn't a group there to love on them and help them and then they get hurt and maybe they get offended and they get discouraged spiritually and they give up on church, they give up on Jesus and they blame people. But the problem was they isolated themselves. People can't get to know you if you're not in the business of also getting to know them. So you need to get into a Sunday school class. You need to get into a small group. You need to get connected with other believers for your sake, for their sake, so that in our relationships as a family of faith called First Baptist, we are able to flesh out what Jesus is talking about here. See, Casper Tim Boone telling that Gestapo, tomorrow if somebody shows up at my house, I'm, I'm going to serve Jesus by serving them. That was his lifestyle. I want you to go back 25 years before that. World War I had just ended. It's 1918. Holland had not been involved in that war. Germany was in ruins. People were hungry and starving. Children were malnourished. You know what Casper Ten Boom did in 1918, 1919? He, he led an effort in his hometown to bring German children, many of them orphans, many of them from the slums, to their hometown in Holland to be cared for until they were strong again and could go back to their homes in Germany. And he and his family in this house, this small house in which they lived, had two German kids, a German mother and her two children. They fed them, they loved them, they clothed them, they prayed for them. And one of those was a little skinny 10-year-old boy named Willie. And years later... After the war is over, it's in the 1950s, and Corey is in West Berlin, and, or the 60s, rather than she's in West Berlin, and, and she meets Willie. And he's now Christian. And what he explains to her is that when he was there in their home, it was the first time he'd ever heard anybody pray and read the Bible in their home. He said, I always knew as a little boy that people prayed in the big cathedrals. 
But I didn't know anybody did anything like that outside the cathedral. And remember from last Sunday, every morning, every evening, they gathered as a family around the table, read the Word of God, prayed. It was their tradition. And he said, when I saw y'all do that, it impacted me. And later I gave my life to Christ. Who are we impacting? Who are we influencing not only by the example we set individually but by the the heritage we're creating within our home as followers of Christ. Sometimes we impact people in ways we don't even know it at the time because of our faithfulness as followers of Christ. And so when he leads us ever to bring these, these malnourished German children to their home in 1918, 1919. It sounds just like what Jesus is talking about here when he said, I was hungry and you fed me, thirsty, you gave me something to drink. A stranger, you took me in naked, you clothed me, sick and in prison and you visited me. Doesn't, doesn't it sound like he understood what Jesus meant by those words? And you and I as followers of Christ need to grow with every season of life and our ability to grasp what Jesus means by this and then put it into practice. It's not enough simply to hear the word, but we have to be doers of it. So put it into practice. What are you going to do with it? But it wasn't just Casper. It was his wife. She died before World War II started, but in the 1930s she had a severe stroke, lost the use of her hands and ability to speak. She could say yes and no, and that was about it. But she would have her family help her sit by this window. And she would look out on the street below as people passed and she would pray for them. She knew many of them. And some of them she would know things about them, their birthdays and anniversaries. And she could no longer write, but she would have members of her family write cards to those that she saw on that street if she knew it was their birthday. And then with her feeble hand, she would put an X, her mark, Send them the card. You talk about parents setting an example for their children and their extended family of what it means to follow Christ and serve Christ even when it's not convenient, when it's not easy, when many people would have a a pity party and, and say everyone else ought to be doing for me. Here she is in the final years of her life, unable to move, unable to speak, and she's praying for people and sending them birthday cards. I think she understood what it meant when Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross, make it about me, about my name, about my kingdom, and my purpose in this world, and my purpose in your life. Is it any wonder that when they were arrested by the Gestapo because of their work in the underground saving Jewish lives, all four of their children were involved and also arrested and one of their grandchildren because of that family heritage that was being passed down from one generation to the next, of following Christ, of, of reading the Word and obeying it, of serving in all circumstances, not just the easy ones, but even in the challenging times. So parents, what do your kids see you doing? Do your children ever see you reading the Bible? Do your children ever hear you pray other than 
when it's dinner and you're saying the blessing? Do they ever see you serving Jesus? And, and I mean by that more than just coming to church on Sunday morning or for some special event. Do, do they see you getting down in the ditch, so to speak, like the, you know, the Samaritan did with the guy who'd been beaten up and left in the ditch to die? Getting your, your hands dirty and your clothes muddy as you, as you touch another life? Do they, do they ever see you doing that? And do you ever do it with them? Take them with you. Serve together. I can, uh, <laughs> Brother Morris, our, our son, I remember taking him with me on Saturdays to make visits evangelistic visits and other kind of visits when he was 8, 9, 10 years old. Take your children with you. Let, let them observe. Let them participate. Mentor them. Invest in them. Let them create a, a heritage. Well, what, are you, what are you passing on, parents and grandparents, to your children and your grandchildren that is, that is beyond simply being here on Sundays? That, that is beyond saying I'm a Christian, beyond saying I'm a Baptist, beyond saying I'm religious and I, and I love Jesus. What, what are they actually seeing you flesh out? Because one of the great lessons about the Tim Boom family is not simply what they did to save the Jews. One of the great lessons for me is, is that family heritage that, that actually started with Casper's father. And then was passed down to his children and to his grandchildren. We, we need to be those kind of people who, who are determined to be so real in our relationship with Christ. Not perfect. None of us are. I'm not. You're not. But real. And, and we do it. And it rubs off. And it passes on. And it makes a difference in their lives and in this world and in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, when you follow me, it shows up. And how you live. But look at something else he said in chapter 20 of Matthew's gospel. Chapter 20, verses 20 and following. It's, it's wrong in your notes. I apologize for that. But, but chapter 20, verse 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee. It's the mom of James and John, two of the twelve disciples. Came to Jesus with her son. So it's her mom, their, their mom and James and John. Come to Jesus bowing down and making a request of him. And, and he, he, he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command that in your kingdom these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are, are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink? To these two men, are you, are you willing to sacrifice? Or are you willing to suffer just like me? And they said to him, we are. Verse 23, he said to them, my cup you shall drink. You will suffer, you will sacrifice. But to sit on my right and on my left, this is not mine to give. It is for those whom it has been prepared by my father. Now look at verse 24. And hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. The other disciples got upset. Listen, challenging, you know, difficulty in relationships in churches and in families, it's not new. It's always been that way. You know, you got to love through it. So here, you know, the other ten get upset with these two for wanting to, to be more important. And in verse 25, Jesus called them to himself, and here's what he said to the whole group. He said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. It is not this way among you. 
But whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your what? Are y'all listening? Your servant. For whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as, just like me, Jesus said, just like the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, all right, you want to follow me? Great. You want to serve me? Great. But sometimes it's not convenient. So There, there will be times when, when, when it's not easy. There, there will be times when it costs you. It may cost you money. It may cost you your time and exertion of energy. It, it may cost you some people not understanding you or liking you. It may cost you saying, you know what, we're not going to buy this, spend our money on this as a family so that we can do this, which is more important for the kingdom of God. It, it, may, it may mean we, we don't do these activities so we have some time to do these things for the kingdom of God. Jesus said, if, if you're going to follow me and serve me, sometimes it's, it's fun and sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's easy, but other times it's not. There, there is a thing called a, a holy fatigue where you're just tired physically because you're, you're doing Jesus' work. And, and that's a good fatigue. We all, we all need that sometimes in our lives. And, and let me just ask you, when was the last time you were physically tired because of what you were doing to serve Jesus Christ in this world? Jesus paid a price to serve us by climbing on that cross. And there are those moments in our lives when we need to be willing to pay a price. By the way, down, downstairs right now, under this lobby back here and, and down this hallway, right now are some people who did not have the privilege that many of you had of being in a Sunday school class today. They were in worship the first hour, and they're down there right now. Rather than going to Sunday school, they're, they're down there right now taking care of your children, loving your children. Some of them on the floor and holding, holding. I, I guarantee you there's, there's a lady over here in the nursery right now across the hall who's probably got one of those beautiful babies in her lap, and she's rocking them right now and loving on them in Jesus' name. And, and they're giving up the privilege of being in a Sunday school class or in this worship service so they can do that. See, sometimes to serve in the way that Christ is calling us to serve, we have to give up something. We can't always make it about what we want and what we like if we're going to do what he calls us to do and meet the needs that actually exist. Sometimes we have to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to, do, I'm going to die to self. I'm going to deny self, and I'm going to climb on that cross of self-crucifixion for the sake of those who have a need, for the sake of Jesus' work in this world today. And that's part of what is involved in following Jesus. You know, the, the Ten Boom family kind of just wandered into helping the Jews. It's kind of a, a spontaneous thing. It wasn't a deliberate plan necessarily, but it grew out of who they were as followers of Christ and servants of Jesus. The first time they really got involved, Early one November morning in 1941, it was raining outside. And on the street in front of this building, they saw four German soldiers marching briskly. And they entered 
a business across the street from theirs. It was operated by an elderly Jewish man. And these soldiers thrust that elderly Jewish guy out of his shop with a gun in his chest and told him to stand there on the sidewalk and not move. Then they went back inside and started breaking up his shop. And after a moment, the upstairs windows were raised and they started throwing all of his clothes out the window and onto the street. And now a crowd is gathering and nobody's speaking, nobody's moving until Casper Timboom's two daughters began helping this old man pick up his clothes and they bring him across the street into their house and through some connections they have ultimately arrange for the underground to help him escape. And that's how it all got started. As everybody was just looking and doing nothing, they simply did what seemed natural to them as followers of Christ. Help this old man pick up his clothes and bring him inside. Now, why did they do that? I think that's the reason. I love the image in that verse. It's, it's like God takes the lid off our heart and he, he has this big old bucket of heavenly love and he, and he just pours it in us. He just fills, it, fills us with it. Because you see, the, the more you and I hang out with Christ, the, the, the closer we are to him, the more we stay in his word and begin obeying it, and the more we serve him and see him work in our lives. It's like he just keeps filling us with himself, and with his love, his character. We gain his insight into people and into this world. And so when there's opportunities, when, when there are needs, when things happen, it's just natural. And yeah, we may have to think about it a little bit, but it's, but it's more natural to us because it's who we have become as followers of Christ as his love increasingly fills our hearts. And, and it becomes a lifestyle. Our theme verse in Matthew 16 about, you know, take up your cross, deny yourself, follow me. I like what Luke adds. He adds one word that's not in Matthew. Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross, what? Daily. That means it's a lifestyle. It's not something we do periodically. It's an ongoing thing, a lifestyle of following Christ, loving Christ, reading his word, obeying his word, serving him, witnessing for him, making a difference in the lives of people. It's a lifestyle. And so let me ask you, what is your lifestyle? Is your lifestyle one of following Christ? Or as we talked about last Sunday, is Jesus more of an appendage over here on the side? And he's just there as an appendage to, to help you when you want his help or you need his help. Or is he your life? What, what is your lifestyle? Is it one of following Christ? And what is your family heritage? Not just the heritage you have received, but the one you're passing on to your children and to your grandchildren. What are they seeing in you? What do you want them to see in you. 